0: Hello stylish folk and welcome to another episode of Handcut Radio. This week I'm joined by a pair of serious movers and shakers. Tom Widett and Luke Sweeney are the co-founders of British tailor Tom Sweeney, which is known for its luxurious contemporary menswear and for capturing an effortless sense of cool. 2020 has been a big year for Tom and Luke. They've combined two London stores into one stunning four-storey townhouse on Old Burlington Street in Mayfair, launched their first-ever creative campaign fronted by British actor Matt Smith, and they've expanded their e-commerce and ready-to-wear collection, too. With this in mind, I wanted to understand how they've built their brand, what they've learned over the years, and to dissect some of Tom Sweeney's winning formula. So, from how the boys met to a case of the wrong trousers, here's a little window into Tom Sweeney's world. Well, guys, thanks for taking some time out. Pleasure to be here. We're here in your new club room. Lovely. In the new Good shop. Uh, the Tom Sweeney townhouse. Mm-hmm. Exciting times. Very. Yeah. It's um, the combination of a, of a long, hard slog, I guess, to get to this point. You must be enjoying finally having a chance to relax a bit.
1: Absolutely, well, yeah, not really relaxing yet, are we? I don't think we will, hopefully, for a long time. It's always been our dream to open this townhouse, so we're just, yeah, we're loving every minute of it, really. It's fantastic, really enjoying it. Proud moment.
2: It's funny how we felt settled into it really quickly actually it feels like the new home and you, you sort of move on from the last one so yeah. four weeks feels like we've been there for four months to be honest mm. do you know
0: what that's, a, that's a, such an interesting point it does feel a bit like that doesn't it it's mad to think that you were in Wayhouse literally a few yeah. weeks ago yeah. Yeah. it feels like
1: you've always been yeah, yeah. yeah. and Bruton as well I yeah. yeah. went past Bruton the other day and it's didn't even acknowledge you actually. <laughs> no, it didn't. actually no I did actually we had some great times yeah. at Wayhouse and Bruton and it kind of you know we wouldn't sorry to sound sort of cliche or um, oh, I love a cliche. Yeah, I think <laughs> if it wasn't for those spaces, we would probably wouldn't be doing what we're doing now yeah. uh, no, and, yeah. and dreaming this big, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, great came, memories there, right?
2: Definitely, yeah, it came to a natural end of time. It was the right time, wasn't it, to yeah. move on? Yeah, no,
0: it's wicked. But let's go, yeah. I'll tell you what, I am. I'm, we're going to go down a little bit of a trip down memory lane to kick off with, because of I would like just to... Uh, you know, we do some podcasts where we where we hone in on one issue, and we have other podcast episodes where we just we go back through kind of a the CV almost. And mm-hmm. I'd love just for the benefit of listeners to go back to the beginning um, and ask how you guys met. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about that story. I think you met at Timothy Everest. Indeed, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. I was there. I think I'd been there for about a year and a half, two years, and I was a trainee cutter, so literally, literally started from the grassroots down. Um, I I got there because I was doing some uh, work experience at Esquire, and they went to the house, they did an article on Tim, I just came along for the interview to help carry things and and saw the space and fell in love with it straight away, I wow, what a fantastic space to, to have a tailor's from, you know, a townhouse in East London. And I met a great old cutter there called George, who... He either loved or hated you and luckily he, he loved me <laughs> he took me under his wing and, and sort of taught me everything great cutter was not great cutter it? yeah yeah, real like legend of the trade what was the what was the surname uh, crossman george crossman oh i don't that's a new one okay. a old school yeah. lovely
1: gentleman but old school cutter yeah yeah right proper yeah, He, he did, took you new, yeah took
2: wing, didn't he? but the training was cutting of course but also like how you deal with clients like lunches like me going to lunch with george as part of the the training and drinking <laughs> on lunch and, how you your <laughs> drink and what drinks are good or bad and it was all like it was a whole package it was kind of actually a bit like a lifestyle package really like you can't just make the seat you've got to sort of click with the customer and have stuff to talk about and that was and actually was that, now that's
0: super interesting already isn't it because that is that's not typical of a tailor today no no yeah uh, that's
2: why it was different to the others actually yeah he, he had those bonds with with his clients you know holidays or Dinners, lunches, which we sort of carry on, mm. carry it on through, don't we? Really?
1: Yeah, he was old school in a way. He didn't think I'm special of himself. He, he he respected the customer, and they respected him. Yeah, there was no he wasn't pretentious, or no, no. He, he was a, he had a lovely balance of uh, being a really nice guy, but the guys trusted what he was doing. Yeah, know, just let him get on with the let job. but him get on with the job. But yeah. he had a lovely rapport, with guys and guys and customers really respected him. Definitely. Wicked. Definitely. So when
0: did you join the house then? Maybe.
1: I joined like Tom said about a year and a half after he was there Fine. and it's quite interesting actually I, I always wanted to get into the tailoring business but in those days tailoring wasn't that cool and um, my dad was trying to talk me out of it my dad was in the textile business and he was trying to talk me out of it but I was desperate to get involved and I went to London College of Fashion to apply to do a cutting course actually you can you believe it <laughs> and um, I didn't have the qualifications oh, to get into that, London yeah. College of Fashion yeah Um, So it was a bit embarrassing. But anyway, I was desperate to get involved. And my dad uh, was supplying the high street with trimmings at the time. So buttons, lining, canvas, zips, everything that built a garment, my dad supplied pretty much to M&S, Jaeger, Aquascutum. Right. And to get rid of me out of the office, he used to send me down to Savile Row and Timothy was one of the customers. Anyway, uh, Savile Row at that time, it, it was quite intimidating, especially for a young lad. But Tim's was quite welcoming. You know, the house was really cool. It was in the East End, which, yeah, had a little bit of an edge to it. And I, I just thought, I just wanted to get involved. I don't know anything about the business. I'll make the tea, I'll clean the floor, whatever it is, I'll do the washing up, I just wanted to be involved. So I, I used to turn up with my canvas or the buttons, whatever I was giving Tim, and just ask for a job. And the only position available was to to, to head up the, or start pushing the made to measure side of the business. Right. So, and that's what I did. I had a real eye for fabric. I was passionate about fabric and, and and creating, so in the blood that was it. Yeah, I got involved, and Tom was on the bespoke side, and yeah. I was on the made to measure, and that's kind of how did, it all did, started.
0: Did you? I, we, we've talked about this before, and is, there's a great story about. Didn't you accept a suit as payment on or yes, something like that? Sure,
1: actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. What was that? So Stuart Lamprell, who was was he head cutter oh, then? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was a head cutter yeah. to him. Really lovely guy, Stuart. Yeah, and um, he. I was in the townhouse and he had, I think he had a really cool charcoal three piece suit. had like a lapel, I remember, on the waistcoat. Anyway, I think it was mohair actually. Mm -hmm. Mohair, in those days, mohair was quite popular. And I went, that's nice. And he goes, you should get one. I went, yeah, okay. And he measured me up. I mean, I was probably 18 at the time. Didn't have like five quid to my name. And He measured me up. I picked the linings, fabrics. Imagine this now, Tom, with a customer. And then I went back to my dad's office and I said, I ordered a suit today. He goes, what? I said, I ordered a suit. He says, okay, how are you going to pay for it? I said, well, I don't know. How much are they? And he goes, you ain't going to be able to pay for it. So I said, okay. And I said, maybe we could trade with some, canvas and he says there's not enough canvas in this warehouse to, <laughs> you you to make that it so, yeah so I had to cancel the order I was so upset <laughs> was very disappointing yeah I was really excited about my first bespoke yeah. suit so, yeah so but it was my you know I was so desperate to get involved in the business and and uh and Tim gave me a shot on the made-to-measure side and I took it was made-to-measure quite a new product at that yeah. time yeah. Yeah. yeah very limited you know you, there wasn't much you could do but um he, he, you know he wanted to Get involved with it, didn't he? Yeah, and, um, we had
2: a sort of it was frowned upon a bit from the bespoke. To me, I was frowned. Upon. No, no, no well, that's <laughs> what I didn't say. Like made to measure was a bit like, ah, oh, you know, it's not real bespoke. But, but we we kind yeah. of saw that actually there's such a gap in the market for it yeah. a lot of clients don't have the patience or time for bespoke. And if you work with the right workshop and get your own block, right it's, uh, you're onto something special, mm. aren't you? And I kind of hit the ground running yeah. on that side, yeah. you
1: know. Uh, I think because of my age and yeah. what I was doing for customers, it, it kind of... it was flying, wasn't it? it, it, fly, yeah, isn't it? it actually, got that, it, got, it, got, it got to good it, numbers it, pretty quickly. It must have been pretty
0: good for the house to have two young, cool guys in there as well, in, in an old industry. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, let's, okay, let's carry on through then. What At what point did you two start thinking, yeah, we get on, we both got an idea of what makes a suit cool, why don't we do this together? How did that kind of come about?
1: Um, I think it's it very organic and yeah it's was quite natural it? it? yeah I think we'd have lunch and have a sandwich upstairs together and it was just kind of like, yeah I'd love to do something ourselves one day but we loved the townhouse and Tim's business yeah starts, so yeah. Tom and I you know we'd always talk we were the young guys kind of there and same age similar yeah. interest and we would talk about the future and yeah kind of
2: yeah I think we like we both we? had that ambition that we wanted to do something more than you Know just be working here and, and at some point we we're gonna outgrow it, or you know, do you want to make your own stamp, do your own thing? Because we both realised we, we bring different, different yeah. skills to the table, so it's just quite a natural And you got to understand that thing. as
1: well that again, there wasn't any young guys in the industry, really. No, was it? not really, you know, yeah. it's not yeah. like it is now. You, know, you see a lot of young cutters, which is fantastic for the industry, yeah. um, and makers, but it, there, there was no young guys in the industry, so we, we felt that there was definitely a market for. Uh, bespoke and made some measure but there was no one to really pass it on in Mm. the industry and we felt there was a a place for us yeah definitely
2: definitely yeah right
0: and then what's the process by which that happens did you (laughs) it's always a fun thing to talk to a tailor about when you strike out on your own did you take a a client list with you and that was the start or how did it work
1: yeah I mean not too many followed. there was a few wasn't there um again I think Tim then was. I think he was doing autograph or DAX. Yeah, right. I mean, he wasn't really involved, hands on, day to day running the business. We, as young lads, were kind of doing that. Um, and um, so a few guys come with us. Answer to your question, not many.
0: Mm.
2: And um, but we didn't have many clients when we started, no. no. Right. I think the beauty of starting up a, a little tailoring business is you don't need huge like capital or money to, to get it going because every order you take, you get a deposit. And then you get the balance after, so you're not buying in loads of loads of goods, and you're not you don't have to have a big shop front yeah. as a designer, or you don't have to do collections. So you, you don't really need that much. You just need to deliver a really good product mm. have a few guys who are, who are going to come with you, yeah. and and the rest, you know, if you keep pushing it, will start taking care of itself.
0: And the first. Uh Mayfair premises. Yeah. Was Mayfair in, <laughs> inverted commas. It may it's made for in inverted commas. Yeah. Was you, you kind of got like a, a co working space or like
1: a, a room in a yeah, co-working an office before co working existed. We were the founders of WeWork. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, it was um it was a it was a house actually wasn't it? Yeah. It's probably like an old embassy. It was on yeah. Stratford Place, right. which we called Mayfair, but it was the other side of Oxford Street. Which is quite interesting. So like, we'd have the customers turn up. And go, I thought you was in Mayfair. There we are, Look, <laughs> yeah. legally. You know. Yeah. But anyway, it was uh, in the basement of this kind of old embassy stroke house that was converted into offices, and we had a, a six by six room in the basement by the toilet.
2: Um, <laughs> I think cost us probably eight hundred quid a month. Something yeah. Like that. Um, it was the smallest, worst. Room. It was a beautiful building, actually, but it was, it was yeah, the worst run-down room. And it. it wasn't really well that that maintained. Was so we yeah, had
1: me. I had a there was a freestanding mirror. Tom had a small cutting board. Yeah, I had a little desk with my f- bunches. Yeah. and then there was a tiny little room at the back where John Theo used yeah. to make the jackets. Yeah, and uh, so it was lovely. It was <laughs> yeah. really you know great memories. Fantastic. I mean, I remember we would take So exciting. So exciting. Yeah, I mean, you we know, were working to all hours. You know, given to us, we were. We were really hands on. Yeah, we? it was I'll fantastic. Really, every order oh, you take, a
2: moment, it's exciting.
1: Young guys, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, we were in the West End rather than the city, and there was a lot going on in the West End then. Yeah. You know, the hedge funds were booming and real estate was going crazy. So the energy around the West End in those days was fantastic. So for two young fellas, you know, making for these guys that we were reading about probably two years previous, it was fantastic.
0: Yeah, must have been a, such a roller coaster. Amazing to be sitting here now. In this absolutely stunning townhouse, thinking that you've gone from six by six in a corner to this, it's phenomenal. I don't really think about it, really. Yeah. I
1: mean, I honestly, genuinely don't. I don't you know, if you sometimes you think, oh, geez, if you actually look back of, uh, again, I don't want to sound, but if you look back at what we've done, you know, you kind of, oh, it's pretty, it's you know, pretty cool. Yeah. But when you when you're so in the thick of it every day at work, you know, and you're you're, you're, and you're ambitious, you kind of you don't really reflect. No, either. the good I mean,
2: thing you, is we're always looking at. There's something around the corner that you're working on, you know, such as content or e-commerce, and there's always something new to be thinking about, isn't it? Absolutely, don't really just go, "Oh, that's it."
0: I think that again, for me, that really sets you guys apart, and it's something that I've been thinking a lot about as we've gone through this year, and a lot of kind of independent style or fashion businesses have have had a tough time. Is Mm so much of it actually comes down to the psychology of the, of the of the business owners and mm-hmm. you guys have always looked forward mm-hmm. as you've said you and that's to. so not typical for a, a, an independent luxury brand like this so mm. many brands look backwards mm. uh, it's so interesting mm. and actually on that note i wanted to ask when you were building the formula for Tom Sweeney which you have stayed true to all all the way through what were the kind of things that that you were looking at as young guys you know we we've when we've all chatted together before. We've talked about the, how the how style was quite progressive, and the philosophy behind the business is quite progressive as well in, in the way you treat your clients. Tell me a little bit about the Tom Sweeney approach uh, to tailoring.
2: Yeah, well, I'd say the first thing we it's always step by steps. So I don't think we didn't from day one think about this step, did we? It, no. The first step was how can we make a really great suit for someone, bespoke suit. Like, what is it that's going to make it better than your typical one from Savile Row? We were into a bit of like the Italian cut, the style, which wasn't really over here, wasn't as, as popular as it is now. It's frowned upon, actually, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, the sort of Savaro guys, was like, oh, you know, the suit's got to be a suit of armour and clean everywhere, and you know, the Italian style's not that great, but we, we were fortunate to pick up a few old jackets from Italian makers and, and wear them, get that natural shoulder, that soft body through the canvas. So that was our first real deep dive in, wasn't it? Mm. it was like, how can we? Do a sort of construction and style that's unique to us, and then start telling our customers about it. That was the very first step, really wasn't it? It was. So, yeah. How do we How do we get that good? And then you, you're doing that, and you've got something extra. to wasn't it? So yeah, yeah. That's how it's it's funny started,
1: story. It? I was in a in a restaurant in France, and I had a suit on, and this guy, really dapper, older gentleman, uh, uh, come up to me and he, he said, "That's a nice suit." And I said, "Oh, thank you." I said, "I'm a I mean I'm a tailor I'm in the tailoring business he says oh my dad was a tailor I said no way he said yeah in the East End in the 1930s and um, he goes anyway he goes um, where are you based I said in London he goes I'm in London quite a bit he was a London guy and uh, he said I'm in London you know, once every couple of weeks he goes come and see me and I said yeah no, no problem he said contact my secretary and he goes when are you back I said oh I'm here for like two or three weeks but I'll call you when I'm back and he gave me his card and I woke up in the morning and I remember looking at the card, and it was uh, Lawrence Graf from uh, Graf Diamonds. Oh. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> and, uh, that's what I said as well. I, yeah, <laughs> so I, I told him I'd be back in London in two or three weeks. So I called his secretary on a Monday. I said, I'm actually going to be in London tomorrow. <laughs> so I'd love to see Mr. Graff. Anyway, I went to see him, and he, he ordered a couple of, he always wore blue, didn't he? Yeah. Really immaculately dressed guy, great style. And, um, he wore a couple of navy suits, and his offices is on Albemarle Street. And I asked the question. I think we asked the question. Why do you, Why do you go not go to Savile Row? Why do you go all the way to Italy to get your suits, made? And he started talking about what he does and doesn't like about a British-made suit compared to an Italian. And that's kind of where we started getting inspiration to kind of fuse the two together to create our house cut, which is what it is today. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So it all started with Lawrence.
0: Well done, Mr. Graff. Well done, Mr. Graff. All right. That's awesome. And that is, again, for those listeners, I'm sure most listeners will be more than familiar with the brand. But it's kind of an English silhouette with the lightness and the kind of feel of an Italian, Mm -hmm. like a southern Italian suit, right? Mm -hmm. Sort of loosely speaking. It's a natural shoulder. It's a slightly shorter jacket. Mm -hmm. It's fitted nicely to the body you know it's not it's not chesty and kind of roomy mm-hmm. it's um, what what else have we got what else is the Tom Sweetie look it's
2: yeah maybe I mean the, it's not necessarily slightly shorter shorter than maybe Savile Row sure. jacket but I think globally it's probably a, a sort of classic length jacket yeah I would it? say classic um, length yeah yeah. Um, yeah we yeah it's that natural shoulder high arm hold, which gives you like a, a neat sleeve but with ease in it um, but um, the button height placement was key like not Everything it has to balance with each other, so it's like as soon as you commit to one thing, yeah. the, it all has to work in harmony, so like the button height, isn't the gap in the buttons, and the way the front's cut away. Sleeve not the too wide. Sleeve not too wide. not too wide at the cuff, because sometimes you've got to track it really wide there, and I think because we w- we're wearing it ourselves and loving wearing suits, you can really start looking at it, and how you wear it, like, oh, why, why would that sleeve be like, it look so much better if it was just nipped in, it, in here, or let out here. Yeah, it's nice. You're so, kind
0: of doing your own product research, yeah, exactly, R&D. Yeah, yeah. We and could do it then because
1: all we were yeah, doing was bespoke yeah. and made-to-measure. So. And yeah.
2: that, that carries through now to ready-to-wear, doesn't it? Everything we end up putting through, we're wearing ourselves and trying it and why, like, how could this be better what, what I what that would help?
0: This? That's something else that's really special about Tom Sweeney, isn't it? Is obviously you have a, you have a, a brilliant ready-to-wear business alongside the made-to-measure and bespoke today. Uh, and again, very few kind of independent British brands manage, or have managed to seamlessly connect luxury casual wear, uh, ready-to-wear tailoring, made-to-measure, and bespoke, and yet you guys have done that done that for years.
1: Yeah, um, there wasn't many, again, uh, looking back, we didn't realise it at the time, but there wasn't, I don't think it was frowned upon in, in the bespoke world, but there wasn't many tailors offering ready-to-wear. No. And we just felt, again, just by being hands on and working with our customers, we, we felt there was definitely a, a place for it because we were pretty much styling our customers from head to toe anyhow and sending them off to Laura Piana or John Smedley to get their knitwear and uh, going to Turnbull and Asset to get their shirts or wherever it was to get their chinos. You know, so we were, we were dressing the guy anyway. But just send them elsewhere so that's kind of we definitely felt there was a place yeah, for it did we? Yeah. there was an appetite yeah, for it definitely. for sure mm. we, and we didn't turn our nose up it we just wanted to help and serve our customers to yeah. the best of our abilities Absolutely. So kind of that's where it sort of evolved yeah. very naturally we didn't go
2: from one day to the next time right now we do a full ready to wear it it's just we just gradually brought products in and every time we were happy with something we added it in yeah kind of, i think our first you know ready-to-wear collection way. was six suits yeah, <laughs> right. Six shirts and yeah. <laughs> a few hankies You know, yeah. it wasn't like a collection. Yeah,
1: yeah. We didn't set out to be a brand, or no, no. it just happened very naturally. You know, and just yeah. and That's we,
2: a conversation with Mr. Porter, wasn't it? Mm. They, because mm. you launched on Mr. Porter, yeah. Ready to wear. Yeah. yeah, we, we did, did a two-season exclusive, sold exclusively with them. Exclusively with them. Yeah. Like we yeah, didn't yeah. sell it ourselves. That's yeah. great
0: fun.
1: And Toby, you know, the time, yeah. Toby Bateman yeah, yeah. he he. Uh, he really believed in it, you know. Yeah. I'll be honest; like I, I didn't know how well received it would be. Did we, Tom? No, no. Um, It was quite funny. Remember, we launched in America, didn't we? Yeah. And like, right. he, I, I was—I'd be nervous to launch it here in London, where we kind of had a reputation, but to launch it in New York, yeah. I was like, "What? The hell? Who's going <laughs> to yeah. <gonna> buy this?" <laughs> you know. We, I remember—I forget it was at the Mister Porter offices, and we, they, we were going live that morning. You know, it's a big moment for us, you know. And again, the collection was very tight and small. And uh, we, we were sitting there and the whole team was there, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and it, when I say go live, I mean, the, the technology behind what they do is phenomenal. So it, they've got all lined up, the screen's there, and it's like Dave's going to buy something in Texas. Like, it's that kind of pinpoint. And I'm thinking, please sell something. Like, we're literally <laughs> about to does. go buy like, anything. like a <laughs> Yeah, because it's, it's going to be so embarrassing. <laughs> And anyway, it's like going mad, didn't yeah, it? you know. Yeah, people, yeah. It, it, we sold out in like two weeks on yeah. Mr. Port in America. It was fantastic. So that gave us the confidence to go. Oh, hang on a minute! It's not. We're really good at making handmade jackets or made to measure, but this 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 is going to be a thing, you know. It gave us the confidence to start delving into it a little bit more. And and uh, yeah, that's how it all kind of started.
0: It's amazing, isn't it? It's really really cool. And again, the evolution of the brand has been fascinating because. You, your ready to wear collection is now almost more kind of casual wear and weekend wear than mm. it is the tailoring. Mm. The tailoring is still a very present part. Yeah. Um, but again, you can kind of sense how the brand has moved with the time. So mm. now your client can come in and get uh, a cashmere storm system parka mm-hmm. or a dinner suit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, I, I struggle to think of another kind of tailoring led European brand, well, luxury brand full stop, that does that and does it convincingly as well that's the thing you know lots of brands have tried to do that, that over the years and it hasn't worked mm-hmm. and it's amazing that the Tom Sweeney has just built this client base that somehow
2: it all flows yeah yeah. yeah. I, th- I think because we're so hands on and I oversee it as well it, yeah. it's the same even though we couldn't really tell you what it is the same look and feel does come through the collection doesn't it it doesn't sit the jar to the bespoke, or you know, it doesn't look like a mishmash. Yeah. One, one doesn't interfere no. with the
1: other. If it, it works really nicely, yeah. we're seeing actually, we saw it in New York when we yeah. first opened yeah. there because we have everything under one roof there: retail, made-to-measure, bespoke. Uh, we've never had that in London, but we knew it could work from from working in New York for so long, and it, yeah. it works beautifully. Yeah. But um, you know, since opening our new space here, it's it, you, you, re, you can really see, you know, bespoke guys we've worked with for 15 years. You know, they're, they're buying into the ready to wear now, whereas they would never have done that from Wayhouse to Bruce and you know, and they're like, oh, that's a nice joke uh, But they, we just fitted them for a shooting suit. You know, it's uh, so it's really nice. You know, it's uh, it, it works really beautifully. And actually,
0: while we're talking about clients, another question I had for you is um, you've said to me before that you don't think of your customers in terms of demographics and you don't go down that kind of very geeky marketing route of of Formalising who your customer is and your customers are Henry and he, he works here blah, blah, blah but that your customers are united by a mindset so I kind of wanted to ask what is the Tom Sweeney mindset?
2: Good question. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you could tell us that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's all of my job. <laughs> <laughs> but.
1: I'll tell you one thing I, I, I feel really lucky and I know you do Tom but they're all characters aren't they? Yeah. In their own sure. way. Yeah. And um, young at heart no matter what the age, yeah. want to get on with life, love eating at nice restaurants. It's all, all they all feel fairly positive, don't they?
2: Yeah, you've, you've seen it during this sort of COVID thing that we're still going through now, but the attitude is still from all of them like, let's go. Like we're in Crack the situation, on. but it, you know, let's. Let's roll yeah. our sleeves up. And that's from ages,
1: can't... guys from in their mid-twenties yeah. through to their yeah. late eighties, yeah. early nineties. Yeah. You know, so the, I think the attitude is very positive, young at heart, yeah. love living life. You know, that's that, That's the, That's our guy, really. And yeah, I, I love think it's maybe, maybe that. that's how we yeah. kind of live our yeah. life. And probably because
2: to come to us in the first place, they've had to discover it or a friend's told them about it. So it's probably that mindset where they're, they've... They know the good restaurant, they're told about it, they go with friends and that way they find us. Because we're not like a known brand that you just sort of stumble upon and become a customer.
0: Yeah, you you have got to be a kind of a luxury, you, you've got to know the space, haven't you? Yeah. Because it's yeah. a connoisseur's yeah. brand. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. We're
2: not elitist that you couldn't be, but it just to start with, that's the, the first guys you get through and then it starts. I, I think know, that's why we kind of on. get on with our guys as well.
1: It's like birds of a feather, you yeah. know, flock yeah. together. It's that kind of yeah. feeling, isn't it? Yeah, you know, definitely. We're all, you become really close with them naturally. You know, it's not forced or you just, you just do because you're all quite like-minded. It's nice. And I guess the other
0: thing that um, is, is, is very impressive from the outside in is you dress a lot of celebs and you do, you have a lot of great red carpet looks as well. Mm. Um, Which is again, not something that most tailors manage to achieve, which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah. I get, maybe timing wise, again, there wasn't many young guys doing anything that interesting and, you mm. started to and it kind of attracted a certain guy you know that wanted to get something made and wear it on the red carpet without looking like he's a lawyer yeah you know, that's where we done okay that's where think, you that come front. in yeah slotted <laughs> in nicely we didn't mean to just happened um, I,
0: I also wanted to ask because again you've got such a characterful client base you must have had some fun moments with clients over the years yeah <laughs> <laughs> well have you got any choice stories to throw
1: um, it in the mix yeah listen I mean there's some we probably can't talk about <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean there's been many I mean I, I reckon every tailor's got funny stories wow. where you know I mean there's some, been some hilarious times where, where you know someone's ordered something in this different fabric but I, I had a funny one actually it was um, he wasn't a well-known guy he's actually very well-known in business but you guys probably wouldn't know him but he uh, it was his 60th birthday and he's having this big Party and the country. Invited my wife and I, and um, huge, huge deal it was going to be. And he, you know, he's an intense guy, nice though, lovely. Yeah. But um, he uh, he ordered a double breasted. uh, It was made to measure actually. It wasn't wasn't bespoke. A double breasted navy hopsack, um, unstructured, lovely. He was wearing white shirt, navy tie, and that was his 60th birthday. Attire. And it was a little, he came in a little late, so it was quite tight, you know, it was like, I had to fit in the parties on the Saturday, I had to fit him on the Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, 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 because he probably might listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it's funny. Anyway, so, done the first fitting, uh, I put the block on him, that was it. And right. the block was like, I mean, when it goes on, when a made to measure block goes on a guy, and there's not much to do, you know, you're like, you know, it's minimal stuff, when the suit comes back finished, and you have to tweak it. Put the block on him, like he could he could have worn it out the door and it would have been great, you know. But he wanted double breasted. So when he comes in on the Tuesday, and the navy hopsack, the boys have prepared it for me. It's like ten o'clock in the morning, and his navy hopsack suit sitting on the rail there. And he comes in, you know, he's a bit anxious because he's got loads going on because his big birthdays on the Saturday. Yeah. And he goes, I don't need to try the trousers on. Let me just put the jacket on. I'm thinking. I went, no, 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 Michael. I'll give his name. <laughs> I said, cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, that's fine. I said you got to do the whole thing because I'm being quite smart because I know how good it's going to be. Yeah. Because I put the block on him, you know, and I know we're there, you know, yeah. so it's fine. So, anyway, he puts the jacket on, not an alteration, not one. I was looking for stuff to do, and he's like, This is unbelievable, you know, I'm fantastic. I wish my previous tailor could have done this, whatever. whatever. And then I go, I'm like, Yeah, don't I said, you know, Slip the trousers on, please, Michael. Anyway, he puts the trousers on, he gets to his knees. I'm thinking, they're not going on <laughs> <laughs> and he can't even get him over his thighs like i'm talking i'm looking at it and he's going these are a bit tight and i'm thinking yeah they are and i said uh, yeah but that's fine we will let them out knowing there's not enough inlays. Yeah. If they were that tight right. right so goes to put them on can't do them up. i said don't worry this is a tuesday's birthday's on the saturday so and I'm thinking remake yeah you know I've got to get them knocked up downstairs quickly a pair of bespoke trousers that matches the fabric yeah and he leaves the shop White House Street and he's walking up the road and I go downstairs and order the fabric the fabric's out of stock oh oh no yeah it's a shocker oh, once, once <laughs> it shit. starts
2: everything starts going against it yeah oh. I'm like
1: Anyway, I'm checking the to measure system. I'm like, how can this screw up? Like, anyway, the measures, I'm measuring the trousers that he tried on. They're not matching what I specified. Cut a long story short, a guy I was in at 11 that had exactly the same hopsack Navy trouser. He was a size, probably a 30, he's a 30 waist. And this guy's like, oh, oh. like a 38, 40 waist, you know? <laughs> anyway, and, and they swapped the tags over. So oh. I tried this young kid, like this hipster. I tried his... Eh, eh, Anyway, I called him up and said, I'm so sorry I chased him down the road got him back not one or two it was fine straight out the door oh. but the, the tension and the, it, I mean <laughs> yeah. I, I almost I almost fainted it was terrible oh, Yeah, squeaky bum. Twenty to, minutes. Go to the 60th birthday party I, I was going you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and he, he'd done a great speech at his 60th and he mentioned me about how oh, he, he almost come with no trousers <laughs> <laughs> so a few close calls and plenty of stories again lots we can't really say on no,
0: that. Oh, yeah. fair enough that yeah. is great though but yeah good Good yeah,
1: fun. Good twenty fun. minutes of sweating.
0: Yeah, oh. it was. It was. It was, yeah, was gut wrenching. Yeah,
2: luckily we've always got our way through. Yeah, through any Yeah. We <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, that's uh, such a great story. I love it. Obviously, as we've we've mentioned briefly, we're we're in the new townhouse. This year has been a big one. Um, I think by the time this goes out, you're going to have a new econ website. The collections the biggest it's ever been. The ready to wear new store here, established in New York now. um and actually, very excitingly, we will also, I think, by this point, have released your first ever campaign, which um, obviously Birch has worked on with you guys, which is super exciting. So that's a whole new kind of level of comms as well that's coming in. Why are you guys pushing so hard at a time when everyone else is kind of going, oh, my God, and shrinking
1: back? So we, we set out last year probably a plan, didn't we? Yeah to do what we're doing now and I just I don't see the point in sitting still and waiting I just don't see any upside of, uh, of doing that so going up, going back to when we open this I think this is a really positive move in a negative time and it's even more positive and pronounced because we are doing it and um, we've always been confident the appetite's going to be there you know things might be a bit slower than they were but that's fine you know we're not we're not here to be here one minute and not the, ne- not the next no, it's, yeah. it's a long game yeah. you know so yeah. we, we want to be around for years to come so okay there's a little blip in what's going on in the world but that's no that's no problem there'll be other blips yeah. there'll be other obstacles that we've got to overcome and um, so we're, we're just going for it yeah you know? and it, it's very conservative i don't see it as gung-ho it's, no. it's something we, we've been planning you know we're a young company but we've been going since 2006 now so we've taken our time and again we're babies we've still got a long way to go but yeah, we're going to execute what we said we're going to execute, and I don't think there's yes, much that's no, going to get no. in our way, really, to, yeah. to do... we're just
2: laying good foundations, you know, this this is going to be here for a long time, so it's it was actually a good time to get it going, because we were a little bit quieter during the lockdown, so you could get on with this, and plan the e-com and the content. I guess that so. must be a
0: constant challenge for you guys, actually, is finding headspace to do everything in the business.
2: Mm. Yeah. We're doing it, though, aren't we? Yeah. we kind of, you know, we've got yeah. a good team around us,
1: and yeah. like you said, Birch, and Yeah fantastic and we've got a really good team around us haven't mm. we and it doesn't we're not overwhelmed uh we're just getting on with it and having yep. fun and yep. it, it feels
2: great doesn't yeah like you said it's not although when you explain it like that what we've done it, it doesn't feel too outlandish or crazy it's just the natural natural next steps we need to take yeah wait until uh, next year hey, yeah <laughs> can't wait it's all relative uh, i think as soon as you start standing still and before you know it, you're going backwards and then it's you're outdated and no one's interested and then you it's kind of game over then. So that's that's
0: a really refreshing, uh, refreshing thing to hear. I also wanted to ask, what's the most important thing you've learned in building the business over all these years? You know, if there if there's one thing that's always stuck with you, what do you think that is?
1: I think you've got to live it. And again, maybe that sounds a bit cheesy or cliche, but I think if you take a step back, I think whether you're running a small coffee shop or a big hotel or Whatever the size of the business is, if the, if the founders step back and take their eye off the ball, I, I think that's kind of a, a problem. We've never done that. So I think like living and breathing the business and being passionate and leading from the front, all those small, simple things, that's kind of the lessons I learn and learn every, every day, really. You've got to be set, an executive founder. Yeah, set, set examples. You know. I think if we were swanning around Mayfair going on holiday every five minutes, wouldn't really reflect well on, on the rest of the guys you know yeah. so I think yeah we're, we're quite conscious of that yeah, aren't we? we We, we lead, lead, we the lead from the front you know yeah. and the guys feel that and they want to step up as well so yeah those small little things of uh, just work ethic really that's that's kind of that's what I think is the most important and what I've learned over the years
0: yeah
1: cool I don't know if that answers your question or it, no, no, it I think it does. it completely
0: does would you do anything
1: differently on the flip side Probably not. I mean, really? no, no. nothing stands out. Maybe yeah. you know we're 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 um, creative guys, I suppose, and maybe having a better uh, financial team yeah. in place at the beginning might have helped a tiny bit. But it's all learning curves. You yeah, know? Like, I think we've all we, worked out in the end. We sorted that out when it really needed to be yeah. sorted. Yeah, we had a good gut, didn't yeah. we? That we had yeah. to get a finger on the pulse and it. You know we did it didn't we yeah so yeah. that's maybe the only thing yeah. maybe that's maybe bit... you, you know you get better at hiring yeah you know we were yeah. terrible hires in the beginning yeah we yeah terrible hilarious <laughs> hilariously bad <laughs> and um, we just said yes to everyone yeah it was a brilliant it was brilliant um so yeah
2: but got, got, definitely got better at hiring yeah yeah if you have any sort of doubts if you have so, any doubts you've got to sort of address it straight away i love
0: the point about gut feeling because i've Always and actually, our silent partner in the room, James. We, we talk a lot about the value of gut instinct. Yeah, you know, uh, can't beat it. No, and you know, there's there is always a place for strategy. It's a big part of what I do professionally. So I'm I've got to be mindful not to talk myself out <laughs> of the job. But you know, you will never if you really know what you're doing and know your business and know your customer, you will just never beat
1: that gut. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, alignment's key. Like if you start working with people where. It's sort of in two different directions you just continually trying to change your side their side you're never going to meet a, a happy medium but if you can find people that are on your page it makes life so much easier yeah brilliant I think we um, found that with, uh, with Birch little name check there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's bouncing up and down with everyone uh, yeah.
0: ne- next to me two years for a shout out I really hope the mic's picked that up yeah um Brilliant. Um, Guys, thanks so much because this has been a lovely chat and fascinating to kind of uh, hear hear a bit more about your kind of journey and your approach to things, um, particularly at such an exciting time for the business. But my last question to you is what's next for Tom Sweeney? You know, big year 2020. What can we expect in 2021?
1: Yeah, I mean, this year was always going to be big, even like we've discussed, even pre-COVID. I think next year we have a plan to, to... open a second space in the US which we're looking at and it sounds nuts but looking at now cool um, and uh, yeah it's so back end of next year yeah be our, our, our plan yeah to, to open a second site in the US where you know like I said our business has grown really lovely over, over time and uh, we, we feel that would be the next step for us so we're looking at global domination ultimately yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah I suppose so yeah. <laughs> not too many
2: stores but great ones in the right places yeah quality over quantity yeah, I think,
1: again you know we've been very lucky in many ways that in this market we can kind of be nimble and, yeah. and see where the markets go and not be overexposed Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah we, we feel having two or three great townhouses that offer unbelievable experience to guys to hang out and shop and have fun that's the the, the avenue we want to go down uh, along with the econ backing that up and that's kind of our our plan really is not yeah it? without giving away too many secrets yeah.
2: and then we need to get to, over to Asia at some point and do something there but yeah that'll be a stage two
1: yeah but yeah we've got we've got quite a slick next we've never really gone with plans have we no, planned kind of always uh, well, gone with the flow but yeah. we, we have got quite a uh, a slick fly, five year plan yeah. um, to go with, haven't yeah. we? So, um, yeah, we're excited. We, yeah. Feel,
2: we feel the future's really bright. I know it sounds mad. But no, no, it's we, great. We tend not to do the next thing until we're happy with what we've just done. So, yes. we'll make sure this is executing well and doing what we want before we before we open up the second one. Like we did at Wayhouse, yeah, is not it? Exactly, you know, we yeah. saved up our pennies yeah. and
1: pounds and then we opened Bruton. Yeah. That done well. We opened New York. So, that's how we like to kind of keep things moving, backing ourselves, yeah. investing in the business and then going, you know. Brilliant.
0: Guys, that was an absolute pleasure. Um, thanks, thanks Alex. Again. Thanks, Alex. Cheers, pleasure. Always. There you are, folks. Another conversation down. We've just got another couple of weeks to run of season four, so please do let me beseech you to leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already, and follow us on Instagram at Handcut Radio to stay in touch between seasons. My huge thanks to the team at Birch who produced this podcast. Check out the agency's work at birchlondon.com. Our sound editor and theme music composer is Joe Boyd. Give him a follow on social and SoundCloud at This Is Joe Boyd. That's all from us this week. We'll see you next week for another episode.